Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. If you do write to me, baby, I'll do write to you too. you got to do unto others like you'd have them. Like you'd have them. Do unto you. Bob Dylan from Do Write To Me Baby from the much maligned but much enjoyed by me Slow Train Coming album uh, from 1979. As I always say if I start off with Bob, don't worry, you haven't tuned in to the wrong podcast. It is a photographic life. You know, I send a lot of cold emails and a lot of them are ignored. Replying to emails is part of a photographic practice as far as I'm concerned. It's part of being professional. And in sending them and expecting a response should be a reasonable expectation. And yet many photographers do not respond. Are they too busy, too concerned with other aspects of life? Just don't want to respond. The reality today, of course, is that a photographic practice is multifaceted and reliant upon a multitude of transferable skills. Writing, speaking, building websites, marketing, researching, presenting, promotion, publishing, and as we spoke about in a previous uh, episode, the moving image. All of these aspects are important to ensure that our work is seen, that we are heard, and that also we learn and we collaborate and we become part of a photographic community that is mutually supportive. Therefore, like Bob says, you like to do unto others as you do unto yourselves. One photographer who's certainly collaborative in his initiatives and in his practice is Craig Easton, Craig uh, contributed to an earlier episode of this podcast explaining what photography means to him, so check that one out. But recently I asked him for a piece of advice that he would give a young photographer. His answer was to quote the American photographer Todd Papageorge, who said this, If your photographs are not good enough, you're not reading enough. A reworking, of course, of Robert Kappa's If Your Pictures Aren't Good Enough, You're Not Close Enough. Papa George's comment means as much to me as it does to Craig. I've always believed and been taught that you cannot read enough. In fact, that you should read anything and everything. When I was young, it was considered cool to read and to be seen with a copy of a, a Camus, a Sartre, a Hemingway, a Salinger, a Plath or a Kerouac paperback. It indicated sophistication and intellectual inquisitiveness. Pop songs dropped the names of French philosophers and we ached for cultural advancement. I'm not sure that that is the case today amongst teenagers. The greats of 20th century literature seem to have been replaced by Harry Potter and the Twilight Trilogy, in my experience. I've no problem with these as starting points, but when Papa George was extolling the importance of reading to photography, I don't think he was referring to the adventures of a child wizard and his chums. I started out this week talking about Bob Dylan, and he's going to rear his head again at this point. I was reminded of this week's contributor's work watching the video that he made for Emma Swift's recording of Bob Dylan's Queen Jane, approximately. The link for that 
is underneath this podcast on the United Nations of Photography.com website. So do check that one out. Who is it? Well, it's Hugh Hales Took, who studied painting at art school before completing an MFA in 1981 at Syracuse University, New York. After graduating, he moved to New York and found work as a photo assistant, which is when he began learning about photography. In 1989, he returned to England to find work as a photographer and was hired by the designer Paul Smith. He worked for Paul Smith for several seasons in the 1990s, photographing, photographing, I should say, his main clothing collection, as well as additional projects in Japan. This led to him working for Manor Vogue in Germany and Details magazine in America, who offered him a contract. The New York Times magazine, GQ, Vanity Fair, Interview, Newsweek and Rolling Stone, amongst many other magazines, all featured his work. Hugh made portraits for the Guggenheim Museum and the Brooklyn Academy of Music Next Wave Festival and was nominated for a Grammy for the photography used in the CD package of Jules, Pieces of You. Recently, he's been making videos for musicians such as Emma Swift, Robin Hitchcock and Laura Cantrell. I'm really happy that Grant asked me um, to talk a bit about what photography means to me uh, because my mother died a week ago and I've spent a large part of the last week going through boxes and boxes of prints of the photos that she took over decades and um, she was always a bit behind the times so she never used a digital camera and so my first thought about photography and what it means to me is that nobody's going to go through your camera roll after you're dead and um, I just I think that that it sounds flip but it's it's a very significant aspect of the way that uh, photography in the uh, phone camera era, uh, how that's disrupted the photographic tradition and, um, and, and, and the way that photography occupies a different place in our lives. And I think that it means that in addition to more people taking photographs more of the time and there being an exponential increase in the sheer number of photos. I think it's the other half to that, the other half to that disruption is that those photos, once they're taken, have a different kind of... Um, they're, 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 they're seen differently, they're seen on a screen and um, they have a... A good or bad they have a shorter shelf life and they're not out there in the way that they used to be as a tangible object when a photograph was much more tied to being an artifact my mother was also significant to me I realize in in my point of view as a as a professional photographer um, in that she she was uh, she was a journalist that um, she was uh, that contributed to um, as she, she contributed articles to uh, publications like the Guardian and the Times and occasionally to Women's Hour um, about things like uh, 
child development and play. That was her interest was in was in children, um, and she would she would sometimes illustrate the articles herself with um, with photos photos that she took herself, and she she took she took really great photos and one aspect of being behind the times is that um, she couldn't afford to buy uh, an Instamatic camera and so she used a brownie and all of the photos you know were taken with uh, with a brownie that 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 took two and a quarter films so effectively all those photos uh, of us as children were taken on a medium format camera and so, I mean, years later, I, I, I scanned the negatives and I made prints from them, and they're they're really beautiful. Um, so, there, there's there's that sort of almost accidental aspect of her photography. But the other sort of more important photo- aspect of what she did that that relates to what I did as a fashion photographer is that she she would set up these situations where my brother and i would be would be playing and she would um obviously we knew that she was she was taking pictures but we would get a, we would just get into whatever it was that we were doing and she'd take pictures and there there's definitely something of the same principle at work in the um in the photos that i that that, that i've taken as a professional photographer and I worked very much as 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 my my mother did um, in that I would set up these situations in which the, which the subject knew that they were being photographed, of course, but nevertheless, I would try and create a setting that would would in some way elicit um, a, a response from the subject that would that I felt would say something genuine about them um, that w- that would that would in some way speak to their to 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 who they were. Thank you, Hugh, for your contribution this week. An incredibly powerful start to his contribution. I'm sure you will agree. And I should also say at this point that I did receive that contribution from Hugh last November, November 2020. So I really hope that um, he's coming to some kind of a a place of... um, content in some way or peace or whatever you can get to uh, with the passing of his mother there so our, our very best wishes go out to you and you're raising some very interesting questions and some themes that we've heard from previous podcasts to do with the importance of childhood and those childhood experiences and how they impact on how we see and our creative practice in later life and it's very interesting for me also to hear about that idea of the medium format brownie image because I can really see that in Hugh's work so really allowed me, I suppose, to make some links between how he works and the work, work, I should say, that he creates. So thank you very much uh, there, Hugh. Also, of course, so important to hear that cameras are not important in essence of constantly buying the latest one or that idea of constantly upgrading. It's always about the seeing, isn't it? It's about the seeing and the visual storytelling. What was also interesting uh, for me, though, which actually once again makes it seem as if this podcast has any form of planning, which as regular listeners know it doesn't. 
It just kind of consists through a, a series of serendipitous uh, events that seem to kind of link or bounce into each other. But anyway, over the last week, um, I heard about a film being made, which I thought was very interesting and I wanted to tell you about. I go back to episode seven of this podcast. We welcomed Ella Murther to explain what photography meant to her and her mother, the photographer Tish Murther. Here's what's really interesting about Ella is how hard she's worked and what she's done to bring her mother's work into the popular consciousness. And I suppose in some way it wouldn't be too far a stretch to think that what Tish Murtha has become within English photography is very similar to what Vivian Mayer has kind of become within American photography. That idea of the discovery of a great archive that perhaps wasn't very well known until somebody brought it forward and, as I say, into the popular consciousness. So anyway, we had Ella on episode seven, so go back and check that one out. And this week, a film project was announced that brings a number of strands and connections together. I suppose strands and connections connected to me. Anyway, the story of Tish Murtha will be brought to the screen in a feature documentary with her daughter, Ella, directed by filmmaker Paul Singh, the man behind the Invisible Britain project, amongst other film and photography projects. Tish's work has been published over the last uh, few years by Blue Coat Press. I hope you're aware of those books, bringing her work to a much wider audience. That's the same publisher as our book, What Does Photography Mean to You? And also the same publisher for a number of the contributors we've had on the podcast, including John Ballmer, Jim Mortram and Paul Trevor. I was also asked to uh, by Paul to contribute to an event promoting the Invisible Britain project. Uh, David Hearn, the photographer who was responsible for allowing Tish onto his famed Newport photography course, uh, features in my film on Bill J, whom David was a lifelong friend of. See, the photography world is a small world, and on the whole a supportive and collaborative world, in which it makes sense to make friends. And those friends and those friendships can last for a very long time. This week, I've mentioned a number of episodes and photographers who've appeared on those episodes, all part of our archive, our back catalogue. But if you want to listen to those, you can go back and listen to them, of course, for free. But you could also purchase a book in which they're all collected. Well, at least 89 photographers all answering the question, what does photography mean to you? I've mentioned it on previous uh, podcast episodes and I'm going to mention it again. It's available at £9.99 from Blue Coat Press, as I previously mentioned, and that's plus post and packaging. The book consists, as I say, of 89 transcriptions of the photographer's contribution, slightly edited down, and each photographer was asked to supply a photograph, a portrait of themselves to accompany uh, that text. So if that, you think that sounds interesting, it's a small book, fits in the pocket, perfect little read and to kind of dip in and out of, you can get that now. 
as well as in book form and podcast form, we of course exist online at unitednationsofphotography.com. And over the last uh, couple of weeks, there have been a few articles uh, posted up there that I think you might be interested in if you're interested in the conversations that occur on this podcast. Um, one of them, Who You Meet Makes Who You Are, deals with the idea that it's so important that we learn about the greats of photography, particularly amongst young photographers. There have been a series of icons of photography posted, written by the brilliant Pete Silverton, one on Albert Watson, one on James Naxway, Tim Page, Bruce Weber, Herb Ritz, Bob Richardson, Anton Corbin, and also Bert Stern. In addition to that, we've been posting a couple of archival articles written by Bill Jay, who I previously mentioned. We made the film about Do Not Bend, the photographic life of Bill Jay. You can find out about that at uh, Bill Jay. No, it's not Bill Jay. I'm sorry. It's do not bend film.com. Anyway, a couple of articles from Bill have been posted up on the website. One, Souls on a Plate, the camera fiend and spirit photography will take you back to Victorian photography and some of the bizarre, strange, dark practices that were going on there. Also a reference to Arthur Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes. And also why Ouija was not a Westerner or The Secret of Successful Landscape Photography, a very much tongue-in-cheek article there by Bill about the state of American photography from a Western perspective as well as from an East Coast perspective. So a few things there to keep you busy over the coming week, some things to read, some things to look up, and some things to go back into the archive and perhaps either re-listen to or discover for the first time. The response we get to this podcast continues to be incredibly positive, and I thank you all for that. If you find time to write us a little review on iTunes or wherever you watch or listen, I should say, rather than watch this podcast, uh, please do. If you want to give us a rating, that would be great also. If you want to share this uh, podcast with other people you think that would be interested in it, then please do that also. We are a community, and I really feel that's important. I've seen some great initiatives, even more coming up over the last week, that I'll be talking about in future podcasts. One man, one woman, and a laptop, just putting stuff out there. Surely, we've got the tools now to do what we need to do. We just need to do it. And of course, what we need to do more than anything else is just to take care. (music) 